Good morning. Who is this man with more hair on his face than the top of his head? This is, my name's Ryan Fosnock. I am the location pastor for Grace Free Church in Tremont, which is really awesome. So normally we're seeing um, your presence on the Sunday morning on the big screen. So I get to be on the big screen today. So l- let me start with this. I was more concerned about coming up here, falling up the steps. I should just purposefully do it, but I won't. Uh, But let me start with prayer first. All right. Father God, thank you for the opportunity today to be able to meet in your house, meet with your people, um, because we're here because of you. Everything is is through you, with you, and for you. Um, that That includes our hearts, our minds, our souls that eternally we can depend on you because that's who you are. That's who you say you are. And God, we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to just, one, welcome. Welcome the Grace Free Church family. Welcome Grace Crisona family. Welcome Tremont family. Um, the one, the one thing is, uh, the other thing I do on Sunday mornings, too, is I do help with the worship team, um, I, and I will note here is that there, I, I did see some, you know, some normal Tremont attenders here today. I don't think they were following me, but uh, it was for other reasons, and, uh, but um, usually on a, uh, on a given Sunday, there's, there's a stick count which is, means that I drop a, a, a drumstick when I'm playing on the worship team. So everyone's a lot safer in Tremont today because of my presence right here. So um, let me just start with that. Um, but this is, this is the conclusion to um, the, seri- the, the series of uh, happy is, you know, blessed is. And it's all about victory because that, that, that just caps off everything. And, and if you've ever been, belonged to a, you know, a sports team or a team of some sort um, or even a club or whatever that may be, we, we realize how important the role is of the leader of that group or what, who, what the head coach does. I mean, everything from just making sure that training is appropriate for the level of competition that you're on, um, the, the, the timing of, you know, how to teach, the skills that, like, someone participating needs to learn, you know, the, the strategy, is there, you know, more of, like, on, on the team itself, is there a strategy that all, in part, contribute to some type of whole um, that the head coach is responsible for? You know, when, when do we need to be defensive? When do you need to be offensive? Um, and, and it's not about just a, a snapshot in time. It's about setting up potentially a future better situation, a future better team, a future win, because it might be a rebuilding year. You might have a lot of young people, a lot of inexperience, and they're not just worried, you know, these great coaches, these great leaders aren't just concerned about um, just advancing that one person. It's, it's total development. You know, if you're on a sports team, it's everything from how do you deal with, one, your skills, your ability to compete? How do you balance that with your studies? How do you balance that in your social life? How are you looking forward to what is, you know, going to be in your post-secondary uh, type of future with education and, and graduate studies and things like that? And, and plus, I always thought this, and this, this, this happens even in, 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 your, in, in your employment, is that leader gets like really a lot of respect if he's the one who could dust off his tools and do it with you too. You know, um, if, if you haven't noticed or paid attention in the last year or two as, as many times as Josh cracked on me about being a wrestler, um, 
I always try to take the, the opportunity to, uh, you know, say something about soccer also, but I will, but I have, I have daughters that play soccer, so this has nothing to do with them and everything to do with our head pastor that's actually sitting in Tremont up there today. So, um, but some of these head coaches and these leaders, you know, sometimes all that work that they pour into uh, their team into the sports team, into that group, sometimes it, it, that success and failure comes at the expense of their own families and their own lives too. Um, but we all know what, we all could vary, it's, it's much easier to pinpoint what a bad coach is. You know, only plays his kid, only teaches his kid, only coaches this kid, everyone else takes a backseat, there's favoritism, or, or they allow favoritism to just like emanate and, and, you know, clicks to start, and they don't squash that for the betterment of a total developed team. Um, there was, uh, I, I was talking to a, a, a local wrestling coach at one time, um, yes, I wrestled for a long time, and then I did, I, I refereed for a long time, so some of you may recognize me, or my ears for that matter, that they don't really squish very well. Um, I was talking to a local coach the one time, and in the postseason, a lot of times what happens is in wrestling, postseason is it's, there's an aspect of a team sport, but individually you advance in the, in the postseason. So as the individuals advance in the postseason, the ones who don't advance and are going to practice are actually hitting up the nearest french fry place to pack on the pounds that they've been so uh, disciplined not to take in. So, and, and, and even for those guys that are competing in the postseason, you know, you know re- wrestling the French fry guys aren't, isn't that preparing them all that, that well. So I was talking to this coach. So what they do is a lot of times they'll, they'll combine with some other schools and the other ki- kids that are uh, 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 advancing in the postseason. And they're running around this wrestling room um, and there's this, this, this gentleman in the corner um, you know, he has one, one finger missing, he lost it in a car accident, and he's just barking orders at him, do this, don't do that, all this other stuff. And they're running around the room. Now, everybody knew who they were, coaching staff and above, or that home team. Um, so these high school kids come around to the high school coach, and, he, and they're like, coach, who's this old guy barking all these orders in the corner over here? They missed the boat. They didn't know he was a 1973 Division I national champion for Clarion University, broke all these records for wins in a season and how many consecutive conference championships. And not only after that, had an incredibly successful high school cho- coaching career, coaching national champions, high school champions, nationally ranked high school teams. And they're saying, who's this guy with the nine fingers barking orders in the corner? Because they had no idea who this guy was and the value of that man sitting in the corner um, coaching them. The other thing is, uh, there was a local coach here too, is, you know, when I refereed, is that um, he built this incredible team, had a just a number of incredible guys. You know, everything was built from, you know, Biddy League all the way up. Everything was working in sync. And I was refereeing on the mat, and this clearly, the, the guy who was wrestling on the mat for this team was probably a, a, a fresh wrestler or, or a new guy. And he didn't quite know what he was doing and stuff. And if you know nothing about wrestling, there's, you know, there's three positions when you're wrestling on your feet, and then there's two, you know, offensive, defensive on the mat. And when you get to the second period, you get a choice. Be like, hey, do you want top, bottom, or neutral to wrestle on your feet? So he immediately goes, neutral. Next thing you know, this coach on the, on the sideline just went, no! And everyone's like, apparently he's not supposed to 
that wasn't his choice. Next, you know, the influence of that coach went on to the and onto the assistant coaches. Next, you know, they're all yelling no, screaming no. Then the team's like, well, clearly, like, we, no, 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 you can't pick that. The team, like, the, the crowd starts yelling no. And then I'm like, it's like, okay. And then he, he's confused, and I look back to him, and I'm like, how about you look at your coach, depend on what he has to tell you. So he looks over to the coach, and he's sitting there, and there's this moment of silence for about three, four seconds, and the coach sitting there is like this and just goes, um, neutral. The point being, <laughs> the point being is that guy needed to depend on his head coach. He needed to depend. He needed to look to him to be able to guide him and direct him into the, the right strategy. Had nothing to do with the position. Had everything to do with the lesson to depend on his coach to do what he needed to do. Setting that path to victory was dependent on that leader. I don't know if he won the match. I really don't. But... Um, so anybody that is, is you know, wrestlers that you know, I'll, I'll short, shortcut your effort to come ask me who these two guys were. It was Don Roan in Northampton and Todd Kindig uh, from, from Blue Mountain. But anyway, um, so what better way to wrap up this Blessed Is series um, than with um, this path to victory? We're blessed. And we're happy because we have this victory. And think about our previous congregational care pastor, Randy Ott, who passed, who passed this last fall. Um, a man of faith, he wouldn't hold back any of his missteps in his path, in his faith, uh, to, to follow Christ. You know, sitting in a hospital, writing this actual series for us to learn from, and then a man experiencing victory firsthand right now. Um, probably keeping the baseball books for Team Jesus in heaven, which is probably really awesome. So, um, but leading up to this point is, you know, like uh, Josh Ott, the head pastor, uh, he preached up until this point, uh, you know, uh, through this whole series of like, well, you know, what hap happiness, what, what it isn't, you know, what, what, how not to get it. And that happiness, it's not a destination. You know, God, God's grace and your grace, you know, unmerited favor to give out and forgiveness, it, it overcomes everything. And, you know, like happiness comes from living in his light, living in the light of Christ. And the character that we build when, when no one's looking, are we living to impress others or are we living for God itself? And it all comes from following Jesus, you know, to pay attention to him, to follow him, to have his way through every thought that you do throughout your entire day and really calling out to him, you're blessed because you have someone to cry out to to say like, I need help. I need help. So today's is happy is victory. So Psalm 144 is where um, I'll read from today if you want to pull there. So in Psalm 144 is uh, written by David, uh, God's anointed ruler, God's hand-picked ruler specific to the nation of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, and he's pretty much crying out to his coach, like, God, you, please defeat my enemies. God, please defeat my enemies. He's recognizing his dependence on his coach as his refuge, as his stronghold, as, as where he can reside and have security, and also listing out and remembering the blessings that come from that dependence. So I'll read Psalm 144 here. 
So this is, praise be to the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He's my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. Lord, what are human beings that you care for them, mere mortals that you think of them? They're like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. Part your heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter the enemy. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. I will sing a new song to you, my God. On this ten-stringed lyre, I will make music to you, to the one who gives victory to kings, who delivers his servant David, who's writing this. From the deadly sword, deliver me. Rescue me from the hands of foreigners, whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants, and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed is the people to whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. Now let me give you four things why you can depend on God for victory. Four things. First, for all you note-takers, this is where you say you can depend on God for victory because dot, 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 and then you can put the bullet next to it. Um, that's what I would do. I'm a note-taker. So you can depend on God for victory because God's preparing you for that next step. Self-evaluation is like what, what is in your way right now? What's your obstacle right now? For such a long time, um, I actually, I was baptized when I was 30, came to Christ pre just previous to that. So I spent a majority of my career when, um, career, I wasn't a career, I was a high school college wrestler, but anyway, I didn't get paid for it. They do now, isn't that amazing? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but for so long, I, I always, it was always, I was always coached, so I didn't, I didn't have Christ in my life that I willingly followed. I knew God existed and things like that. Um, but so when I was training, I, I completely missed the fact of relying and depending on God, that he was the one setting my next step. See, I was convinced through my hard work, I was creating my next step. I was creating my opportunity. And with, <laughs> so I, I, I missed it, is that the reason that next step was happening, one, was in, in, in God's timing. The second one was, yes, there's no sacrifice to hard work, and it wasn't wrong pitch, picturing my opponent just running one block further or training five minutes longer or taking that, that extra uh, five reps lifting weights. Like, that, that's a really great motivation. But at the same time is flip that to the point of like, Jesus went that extra mile for me to begin with. He's the one who hung on that cross for me. 
He's the one who was punished for me. And if I have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning after my third snooze, um, like, there, there's a man that went through a lot harder things that, that, than, than what I did to get up in the morning. And as far as that motivation, like, there's, few, there's certain, a, a certain fuel. Like, maybe you lack motivation or, or you have, like, hyperdrive motivation. You're highly motivated. But the thing is, is, like, right in between there, and it's appropriate for both, both sides of that, is that God is your perfect fuel for that motivation. See, your body, your body, your mind, all these things, is like it, it's starving for attention. And that's exactly what, you know, the, the dark part of this world is starving for, for attention. And it's succeeding if you're giving it that attention. So you, your body, if it's tired, you, you can't go that extra step. Is that that motivation to say like, no, no, no. Jesus completely went that extra step for you. And um, I always say this to, to, to my children, is just like, you, you know, you have, this, you have this currency. It's time. Your currency is time. You know, God doesn't work and is not bound by time, but you are, you and I are. So the more that we pay with our time and our currency to that is that we're, we're giving darkness a win as opposed to, no, I'm going to keep my sight on the Lord, of, the, the Lord of this earth and the Lord of, and the King of kings. And when I actually say the same thing to my kids when we're playing like checkers or something, they're like, Dad, seriously? Um, do we need to have this serious conversation? Can we just play this game right now? <laughs> right? They're not even videotaping me right now, which is amazing because we have teenagers. Just want to throw this out there. If your teenagers really, really push you to like try to, to impersonate something or impersonate or try to make a sound, chances are they're recording you and they're going to use it <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> but the other thing that's said in this verse here is that, you know, like, praise be to the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle, is that, you know, like God's teaching extends to the to, to war, you know, physical, but a lot of times that war that's happening in your life and mine, where we're sitting here, is, it, it, it's all in our mind. That he's calling us to do what is necessary to depend on him, to look towards him, so he could provide that next step. So, second thing. So you could, first was you could depend on God for victory because he's preparing us for what's next. The next thing is you could depend on God for victory because he is who he says he is. He is who he is. That is actually his name. You know, in the Old Testament, this, you know, Moses asked him, like, who, who should I say sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you because he is. You know, D David describes who God is to him in these verses here. He's loving, his fortress, stronghold, deliverer, shield, refuge. He subdues people under me. The best description I, I have always have read over and over is in Exodus 34. This is when he, uh, uh, Moses was chiseling the, the Ten Commandments for the second time. He dropped them, did an oopsie the first time. So then he was chiseling them. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. 
And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, now he's, he's telling this about himself. This is who God is. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. That God, God's the most efficient being ever. Like to each of us, like he, he's everything to everyone. Now we all have like different characteristics, strengths, weaknesses, but yeah, God's love, God's forgiving, God's, a, God's the creator but separating out that one characteristic of God misses the boat on who God is to begin with. And we could remove the essence and his complete identity for who he is and what he's done. And that's exactly why we could depend on him for victory, because who he says he is. The Bible weaves his entire story from beginning to end. Like even in the New Testament, when uh, after Jesus rose from the grave, and some of his disciples were walking along the road and they didn't recognize Jesus. Even Jesus, after they realized that, he, he, he spoke to his disciples and said, in Luke, he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus shows, showed them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The entire Bible is about Jesus. You know, what if, what if you had 66 books written about you? I mean, we'd all be the worst representation in our worst moments of, of, of human, at least I am. I think my 66 books would actually be like a bad like punishment from grade school. It's like book one would be Ryan likes to laugh. Book two is Ryan's hangry. Book three is Ryan likes to laugh and just repeat for 66 times. That's, that's what my books would be, would be about. And, uh, you know, regardless of your definition, you know, God reinforces, and he asks his disciples in Matthew, like, who do you say I am? Our perspectives can define or confine God where we sit. But where you are strong, God will allow you to lead. Where you need him, he will lead you even more. But where we confine and define God is that that just gives us too much power because we're not God. We don't define him. It's just in our, our little understanding of what God is and how he can communicate with us, he, he says who you are too. So the third thing, we could depend on God for victory because, because God thinks of us and he cares for us. You know, no matter how small, how insignificant you feel or how big and how inflated you think you are, he still thinks and cares for you. So who, so who do you think you are? Are you, are you a pushover or are you a control freak? Or somewhere in between? <laughs> do you lash out because of insecurity or because of dominance? Same result, different person. And God not only, he doesn't just care for you. You know, like the fact that he thinks about you He's proactive. He just, it's just not reactionary like, oh, no, this person's in a bind again. I guess I need to step in and do something. Like, no, no, no. He's, he's weaving your story way before you got to that point. 
He knows where it's leading, and he knows how to handle each and every situation. And we all, we all have those strengths and weaknesses. Like, he fills in that gap exactly where you need it. Now, I, I might need him when I'm hungry and angry all at the same time, but, um, but he's also filling, you know, my wife's gap to be able to handle me when I'm doing that too. And th- this church is, is here, is, is here because we want you to come as you are. And if I could say it like that, like that fun and like, he's going to change you, you betcha. Like he's going he's gonna to change you. But that doesn't mean that you need to have things fixed up and, and filled up just to enter these doors. Like, no, you're, you're in great company here, at least on my end. Um, but there's these four things. It's like you can depend on those things. Or the fourth thing is you can depend on God for victory because victory comes from depending on God. It's actually the, just that statement alone is why you can depend on God. You know, like David... David depended on God by saying he wanted him to part the heavens, Lord, and come down and touch the mountain. So in essence, he's like, God, show up. God, show up here. I need you here right now. I need my confidence built because you are right next to me. You fill me up, and you're the one that I could depend on because there's lots of things that you could depend on, a lot of things. And, the, and you depend on them working when you need them, like calling 911. Hopefully, you're not wondering that if it's working or not. You're not wondering if your faucet turns on and there's water being able to come out of there. It's an emergency if it doesn't work. But, but we have victory from God because when we compare ourselves to others and not depending on him, there's so many shifting changes, variable things that, we, that, that are not reliable. You know, especially if, if we're comparing ourselves to others. Just because someone has something, it doesn't mean that they're blessed with it. And it doesn't mean that, that they have it because of it's a blessing. You know, the one, the one who gives victory to kings, the one who delivers his servant David, like in this, in this psalm here, his lineage all the way up to Jesus, the, God delivered victory and salvation to all. And it's out of these four things, being able to depend on God for victory, preparing what's next, because he is who he is, because he thinks and he cares for us, and because victory does come from him, there's an outflow of blessings. There's an outflow. Like David says about, you know, then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Like the beauty of daughters adorning a palace. Like he doesn't describe their sons as a bunch of weeds that you gotta pull and discard. So what's our conclusion? Is that verse 15 is like, if this is you, and this is your God, we're blessed. Blessed is the people who come. Blessed is the people of whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. You know, when you really seek, you look, and you find who God really is, 
and you learn to depend on Him, and you find that truer, deeper happiness, that, that it's not a self-defined happiness, not a self-defined motivation, not a comparable motivation. And it, it, it's not a path of destruction for you or, or for who is around you. Some of the smartest people in this world are the ones that rely on the Holy Spirit, that God is communicating to you at some point. Up in Tremont, uh, Ruth leads up the, the shepherd's table and, um, and uh, is able to hand out food at the, at the Tremont Food Pantry. When that was all f- starting and, and, and how do we analyze this, and Ruth comes up and she goes, I, I think the Lord came to me and uh, said that we, we need to stay we need, to, we need to stay at the food pantry. We need to go. And what an absolute blessing for that community and for the people actually who go and serve and help doing that. To see the blessing on, on people's faces, to be able to have the conversation with them, to just be able to say like, here you go, we love you because God loves you. So what does, God, what does dependence on God look like when you're, when you're broken? It looks, like, it looks like this. Here's, here's, here's a prayer. So the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Shortest prayer that I could give you is God help. God help. Please show up here. Because when you ask that, he will make your way clear. He's gonna communicate to you somehow in your circumstances through prayer, Potentially an audible voice, that never happened to me, um, but, or just in timing, that you're looking for God, that he is going to make that clear, and he's going to align your world to get that answer. Because he does, he works all things together for those who love him. But we also need to know that the blessing, we want to we, we treat blessing as the good thing, but sometimes the blessing is in the breaking. That's where the blessing begins. So happy is, blessed is, I leave you with this perspective change for depending on God, is that correctly define victory. Or, another way to say it is, don't be deceived what victory is. You know, where's the victory in losing? Where is it in death, relationship, your marriage, divorce? Where's, where's the victory in, you know, with, with your kids and their circumstances and learning and, and for their future? Where, where's victory in business or that promotion or the mispromotion? Victory's on the cross. We have what we need to work out our salvation to ensure, to enjoy our blessings, to look forward to the day that this is the worst that we get to go through, that we have hope in the future. And David said our lives are merely a breath, like a fleeting shadow. And realizing that we have the victory, because the victory, the victory's here. The victory's an offer. Because Jesus came, he delivered, and he promises to come back for you and me. He lived, he died, rose again, saying exactly what he was going to do, proving he was God. And that is your motivation to keep going. If you want to, if you want to work harder 
think Jesus. If you want to work farther, think Jesus. If you want to talk to the Father, think Jesus. Because he is the way for all of us. He takes hypocrisy and deceit and replaces it with truth. He takes mourning to laughter. He takes his last supper to be an eternal feast. His excruciating pain turned into paradise with his father. And his empty tomb is the way to life for us. Now you have dependence, and that dependence is the victory in Jesus. That he's the solid rock. He's the solid foundation. He's the absolute truth of where our dependence can fall. And that's an, in, that's an invitation to you. So let's pray. Father God, our hope's in you. Victory is in your son Jesus. And that dependence on your victory is our victory. That's where our hope falls for that future where we get to be with you eternally. We get to be with those in your family eternally. And God, we are absolutely blessed because of the victory that you set forth on the cross through your pain, through your suffering, that there's victory in that brokenness where we can see that we could see it through God's people. We can enjoy it with God's people. And we could celebrate that through our worship to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.